Midtown Detroit studios of WDET. This is Detroit Today. When the new Congress begins work today, Detroit, America's blackest big city, will break a near 70-year streak of having at least one African-American representing the city in Washington. New podcast from BridgeDetroit.com and WDET takes a deep look into the state and future of black political representation. We're going to hear excerpts and talk with the staff of Bridge Detroit next on Detroit Today, right after the news from NPR. Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm your host, Stephen Henderson. I hope you had a great break, and I'm really glad you decided to join us here on the third day of the new year. We are back today in the studio at Detroit Today, but we are not the only ones who are getting back to work in the new year. Congress is starting its new session today, and it is notable for a number of reasons. Locally, this marks the first time in almost 70 years that there won't be an African-American representing the city of Detroit in the U.S. House of Representatives. And, of course, that is a very significant milestone here in the city. Detroit, it should be noted, is the blackest big city in North America and has been represented by an African-American in Congress since 1955, when Charles Diggs became the first black person to represent the city in Washington. Like lots of people, I'm really shocked by this. I grew up here and always have uh, known us to have at least one African-American sitting in Congress. And that gives me and lots of the people I know a sense of comfort, uh, an idea that we're not on the menu, as it said. We're sitting at the table. Our values and our beliefs and our politics are represented in Washington. It meant that there was someone who had a similar experience as us putting forward policies to make sure that black Detroiters mattered on the national stage. Charles Diggs, John Conyers, George Crockett, Barbara Rose Collins, and Carolyn Kilpatrick, those are just some of the African-Americans who've been sent to Washington to represent the city of Detroit. And that run ends, at least for now, with the swearing-in of Sri Thanadar, an Indian-American immigrant who will become the congressman for Michigan's 13th congressional district when he takes the oath of office later today. So there's a real question right now about the future of black representation in politics here in Detroit. And the concern extends beyond congressional seats. It also bleeds into Michigan's new political maps that many Detroiters fear crack the black Detroit vote, diluting its power. But is that the only way to see this? Should Detroiters really be worried, or are we in a new political era that offers different kinds of opportunities and collaborations that will be just as successful at making sure, again, that black Detroiters matter in representative politics? city has elected a white mayor three times, and Rashida Tlaib, an Arab-American who represents Detroit in its other seat in Congress, are those the, the kinds of political alignments that will be caring for the future of black representation here in the city? A new podcast from Bridge Detroit and WDET takes a deep dive into all of these questions. It's called what had happened was, and it features probing and incisive interviews with some of the key voices in the 13th Congressional District race this year and others whose perspective on black political representation speaks volumes about what all this means and what the future might hold. That's where we want to begin the conversation 
this year on Detroit Today with the future of black political representation in America's biggest black city, Detroit. And I've got two great guests with me to begin to kind of unpack all of these things and take a listen to some parts of this new podcast. Orlando Bailey is the engagement director for BridgeDetroit.com. He has joined us uh, periodically in the past to talk about a number of things. Orlando, welcome back to Detroit Such a joy to be here. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. Great to have you here with us. Also with us is Catherine Kelly, who is the managing director and editor for Bridge Detroit. Catherine, welcome back to Detroit Today. Thank you and good morning. Yes, and Happy New Year to you as well. Happy New Year to you. (laughs) (laughs) So, Catherine, I'm going to start uh, with you. You have been thinking about this for uh, a long time. You and I have been talking about it for a long time. Uh, What does this mean today, especially as Sri Thanadar uh, prepares to take the oath of office in Washington, that Detroit will not have an African-American represent it in Washington. How did how did we get here? Well, you know, I mean, I think you said something important when you talked about, you know, being of a certain age. I think generationally, when you grew up in Detroit in the um, 70s and 80s, uh, you know, your orientation to politics was just very, very different. Um, part of being in Detroit, part of being a Detroiter was that kind of um, understanding and appreciation that you were kind of contributing to black economic, political, um, political and economic power in the city. I mean, it was why so many of us committed to being here, why we paid the taxes, why we dealt with auto insurance, why we dealt with all the things that we dealt with, because we looked at that wave of um, black mayors that came in um, to American um, cities in the 70s as as progress for black people. And I think, you know, what we're seeing right now is this kind of moment. I I think you have to think about the arc of black history and, um, you know, that blackness kind of changes and the challenges that black people face change for every generation. And I think we're kind of seeing how some of this is working now in terms of you know, black people don't just live in the city anymore. Black people live in the suburbs. Mm-hmm. We lost black representation. I just think we're in a very new moment that we need to take a second and appreciate. Yeah, uh, Orlando, you're uh, a younger generation of Detroiters than Catherine and I, but uh, you're somebody who is uh, deeply uh, knowledgeable about uh, our, our politics and our history. I wonder... Uh, what you make of this this moment uh, today, January 3rd, uh, 2023, which is the day that uh, Detroit will officially uh, cease to be represented by an African-American in Congress? Yeah, um, I think it is. I think it's a momentous occasion. I The, the one caveat that I would uh, posit in the conversation is that, you know, our representation isn't black, but it isn't white either. And I think that uh, needs to be named and stated, right? Sri Tanadar, Rashida Tlaib are not white folks. Um, and I think that means something. I also think that today really is um, a referendum on uh, the habitual offense that uh, Detroiters have been on the receiving end of systematic inequities for decades and decades that lead to um, our census numbers and uh, population continuing to decrease where we ended up losing a seat. Um, you know, the dilution of, you know, black political concentration in the city of Detroit, where we are now some of everywhere um, in uh, southeastern Michigan, not just um, in the city of Detroit. Uh, what what role does emergency management and bankruptcy have on the political calculus here in the city of Detroit and people's willingness to show up to the polls and participate um, in the electoral process? I think all of these things um, have had a surmounting effect to what we are seeing and what we will see a little later on when this new Congress is sworn in. And I don't think we can forsake or neglect to name all of those things. Hmm. Uh, we're talking about uh, the 
debut of the new session of Congress in Washington, uh, which starts today, and the uh, the swearing-in of Sri Thanadar, an Indian-American immigrant who will become the congressperson from the 13th uh, congressional district here in Michigan. Uh, a new podcast from BridgeDetroit.com and WDET takes a deep dive into the questions of black political representation uh, that are raised by the loss of uh, representation uh, of the city of Detroit by at least one black person in Washington, uh, a near 70-year streak coming to an end today. Uh, we'd love to hear from you during this conversation uh, as well. Give us a call and tell us what you make of Detroit not having a black congressional representative for the first time since 1955. Does this bother you? Do you think it's a bad sign for our politics? Uh, do you think it is uh, a signal of dilution of power for African Americans, not only in the city, but uh, statewide here in uh, Michigan? Uh, or do you think that there is opportunity uh, to be gained from the kind of collaboration and coalition building that probably is going to be necessary for African Americans uh, to have their voices be heard uh, in our politics going forward? Uh, as always, the number here on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we can include you in the conversation that way. We've got a lot of clips from this new podcast, which is called uh, What Had Happened Was. You can find it uh, at BridgeDetroit.com. You can find it here at WDET or wherever you download podcasts. You find uh, Bridge Detroit uh, on the podcast and uh, these What Had Happened Was episodes uh, are there. I, I want to start with uh, the the man of the day, I suppose, uh, the new congressman from uh, the Michigan 13th Congressional District 3, Tanadar, who will be uh, sworn into office. Uh, the interview with him was conducted uh, by Malachi Barrett, who is one of the reporters uh, at BridgeDetroit.com. Uh, uh, it's a wide-ranging interview. All of the interviews in this podcast are very deep. They are very probing. Uh, they are incisive. You hear uh, all of these folks talking about this issue in a way that I am comfortable saying you have not heard them talk about it uh, before. But let's start with uh, Sri Tanadar, who uh, first addressed the issue of diversity, the fact that he is non-African-American, and what that means to him as he takes this seat. You know, the people that I talk to, they never talk about me not being African-American. Uh, so I thought maybe I'll start asking people. Uh, so I started asking uh, people, uh, what do you think about me not being African-American? Does that bother you? Does that matter uh, as I am looking to represent uh, uh, this city um, in Congress? And people were like, fix the problems, Sri. Fix the problems. We need better schools. You know, we need to feel safe in our homes. You know, we need access to money to fix our homes. You know, we have roofs, roof issues and we don't have transportation to go to the doctors. Nowhere did I hear issue about me not being African-American. That's Sri Tanadar, who will be sworn in as the representative from Michigan's congressional 13th district uh, later today, talking about the fact that he does not hear from people uh, a lot about him not being African-American. He also talked about uh, some things uh, that he thinks make him uh, the right person to represent Detroit in Congress, things that he shares in his background with African-Americans. The core of me is the struggle, is the financial struggle, is the, um, you know, taking care of my mom, her health, taking care of my siblings' health care, their education. Uh, and, and it didn't change me. The late, later stage, the financial success that I achieved uh, did not change me who I was. My core did not change. And I never really forgot my roots. Uh, it's almost like it happened yesterday. And when I would go back to visit my mom, uh, she didn't want it to change her surrounding. Uh, 
So her home uh, remained the same. It wasn't modernized. It wasn't, you know, she didn't want it to. She didn't want it to change her life. Uh, and uh, me and my uh, children would go visit her, spend time with her, and we would be just as comfortable uh, living there, being with her, uh, sitting on the floor, uh, eating things, you know. Uh, it, it, you know, and her house, uh, her roof would still leak, and uh, we would uh, just feel comfortable and at home. Even my children who grew up in U.S., uh, got used to that. Uh, we, we would suddenly switch uh, to uh, living there. Um, and uh, so I think after a certain time, uh, the financial success doesn't really matter. It doesn't really change you. I am who I am. And I understand those struggles uh, like it happened yesterday. Hmm. I think it, what matters is what's in my heart. Uh, what matters is that... Uh, I want to help people. Uh, what matters is that uh, I struggled through and I suffered and I understand uh, the financial hardship, putting food on the table, making hard choices. Today, even one in four voters are still struggling to, uh, when they are in the grocery store, is what to buy and what not to buy. Where are they going to use their limited resources one in four people are still struggling with their grocery bills, with uh, uh, not having enough uh, money uh, to take care of their family. Uh, they're struggling with prescription uh, drug costs. Uh, so they're struggling with uh, auto insurance, buying auto insurance, keeping up with their car repairs. Uh, you know, four in 10 people today don't have, if they have a financial emergency that required a thousand or two thousand dollars, people don't have that kind of money sitting around. Uh, so uh, while you know we have six billionaires who have uh, more than half of the uh, country's wealth, uh, uh, there are there are uh, uh, you know people uh, that are struggling with uh, just taking care of their family. Uh, and uh, it is, um, you know, my duty to help those people. That is uh, Shri Thanadar, who will be sworn in as uh, the representative for Michigan's 13th Congressional District. Later today, he is talking to Malachi Barrett there, a reporter for BridgeDetroit.com. That interview is part of a new podcast from uh, Bridge Detroit and uh, cooperation with WDET. It's called What Had Happened Was, and it uh, is a deep dive into the state and the future of black political representation here in the city of Detroit now that the city for the first time in nearly 70 years will not be represented by an African-American uh, in Congress. Uh, Orlando, uh, you sit and you listen to Shri. This is not something that he seems to take lightly. It's something that he seems to have put a lot of thought into at the same time. He's saying things there uh, that I think uh, a lot of folks in the city would key on as uh, as reasons that uh, that it's important to have somebody who is like you uh, in in the seat. Uh, as thoughtful as Sri is, there there's still something that that feels disconnected, at least to me, uh, about what he's talking about. Well, you know. First and foremost, foremost, I think Shri isn't a, a Detroiter. Uh, I think that's the, the the huge disconnect for you, maybe, and for a lot of folks that I would speculate. Shri moved here a couple of years ago to run for uh, the Michigan uh, legislature. And so I think when uh, you are coming into a city uh, to, to run for elective office um, and you, you get elected, um, there, there's still some things that are missing when you have grown up, as Catherine said, in you know, in in the atmosphere that is Detroit. Um, you develop a fondness and appreciation for uh, the black political power structure here that I don't think he has. I think you are able to really, you know, take stock and get you know the lay of the land by living here for a while. Um, then versus, you know, coming, you know, uh, and immediately running, you know, and I think, you know, to mount a successful campaign, I think Shri uh, understands story. 
um, and he understands connection. And so he was able to tap um, on the experiences and the hearts of many Detroiters uh, with his story of poverty um, and working really, really hard and achieving, you know, the American the American dream and becoming, you know, wealthy. But you know, one of the things that he said in that clip is, you know, uh, the you know financial success does not matter. <laughs> I disagree with him. <laughs> financial <laughs> success does matter, especially when you look at the millions of dollars that he poured into his own campaign. Uh, his financial success mattered uh, to the point where he was able to leverage it to help him get elected. And so I think uh, him coming into, you know, a Congress, number one, that is divided, where a House where Democrats are not in, going to be in control, what will he really do? And how will he really be able to deliver on those promises as a first time congressperson? Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not I'm not holding my breath, but I do think that there is an opportunity uh, for us, at least within these two years and for the constituency to hold his feet to the fire and keep him accountable to all of these promises, all of these stories that won over the hearts of so many people um, in his tenure. Yeah. Yeah. OK, we're going to take a quick break and when we come back. We're going to continue this conversation with Orlando Bailey and Catherine Kelly of BridgeDetroit.com. We want to get going with you as well on the phones and on social. Give us a call and tell us what you think about Detroit breaking a streak of nearly 70 years, having at least one African-American in Congress representing the city. That will happen later today when Sri Tanadar is sworn in uh, to represent the 13th Congressional District. Uh, what Do you think that uh, this says something about the future here in Southeast Michigan? Uh, what is it? Uh, and where do African-Americans look at this point for the kind of leadership uh, that makes us feel seen, that makes us feel heard, not just in Washington, but in Lansing and here in the city of Detroit. As always, this number on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. We'll include you that way. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. Today on 1019 WDET, I'm Stephen Henderson, and I'm glad you've joined us today. We're talking about the swearing-in of Sri Thanadar in Washington to be uh, Michigan's 13th Congressional uh, District Representative. Uh, he will represent the city of Detroit and some other areas here in Southeast Michigan, including uh, Gross Point and uh, some downriver communities. Uh, his swearing in, though, will break a streak of nearly 70 years of Detroit having at least one African American representing it in Congress. We're talking about a new podcast from uh, Bridge Detroit and WDET called What Had Happened Was. It takes a really close look at that race for the 13th Congressional District and the issue of black political representation in a broader sense, uh, where it stands right now, what its future looks like. Uh, We've got two great guests with us uh, talking about this. Orlando Bailey is the engagement director for Bridge Detroit, also hosts another really great podcast called Authentically Detroit. Uh, And Catherine Kelly is here as well. She is uh, the managing director and editor for Bridge Detroit. Um, We're talking about the podcast, taking a listen to parts of it, Uh, and talking uh, more broadly about black political representation. We want to hear from you as well. Give us a call on the phones, 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. Give us a sense of what you think this milestone means, this uh, interruption of uh, a near 70-year streak of uh, Detroit being represented by African-Americans in Congress. Uh, let us know what you think it means for the future of black political representation. You can also go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we can work you into the conversation. Uh, Catherine, I want to play a few uh, minutes from another part of the podcast, and this is an interview that you did with uh, Adam Ollier, who was a state senator here uh, in the city of Detroit and who ran 
to represent Detroit in Congress uh, as part of uh, the 13th Congressional District race. Um, you asked him what he thought black representation means, and I want to take a listen to, to what he says. The reason black representation is so important is because we have a similar life experience, right? We are sending our kids to the same kind of schools, right? We are going through those same kind of things. When my daughter was at daycare and there were more white kids, she was having issues with her hair at three. So race for you is a, is a life experience thing. Is it what are the issues that a black representative needs to um, pin down or champion? Access. As we talk about this space, the, the biggest thing about being black is understanding the difference in access and competition because you are never not black, right? I, I'm a captain in the United States Army, and when I'm in uniform, white women, older white women will send their daughters up to go shake my hand and say thank you. If I was in a suit and tie, they would hold their purses. So, Catherine, uh, that was a pretty blunt answer, and, and it, it goes much deeper in the full uh, interview into the, the ways in which Adam Ollier th- thinks about these issues. Uh, he was one of the candidates for this race and uh, did not win uh, in the primary. But but talk about the way in which he is seeing this and how that is reflective of the way so many African Americans would also uh, express that. Uh, even though in this in this case we didn't end up with. Adam or one of the other uh, African-American candidates in the seat? Um, races. I mean, the experience of being black is a unique, and um, I think it's one, it's a shared and um, difficult and joyful experience. Um, I think, I think what Adam says, though, I think where I, where I disagree is I do think there are, um, some politics that you need to accompany your blackness. Um, and I think, I think that's why we have some of the problems we have in Detroit, you know, why turnout is so low, um, people feel disenfranchised, marginalized, is we don't have a lot of um, black political leadership that take on the issues um, that Detroiters face every day. And I think um, because there's that disconnect, you know, a lot of people think that blackness is enough. And um, I just personally, um, you know, someone who comes from, you know, old school Detroit, I just don't believe that. I feel like it, it's your politics, too. It's, you know, it's understanding the economics, um, the systems that you're working through. I think when you, when you isolate um, an issue like this and just make it about skin color, it disconnects it from the systems that actually... Um, oppress people. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I think the other ahead. thing too that you know that 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 this race exposed is um, um, the black patriarchy that happens in Detroit, the gender dynamics that have gone really unnamed in this city. I think one of the one of the the stories we saw emerging in the race was, you know, how 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 do gender dynamics work in black communities? When, um, um, you know, um, you had a group of, um, of very powerful people who, who backed Adam Hollier to win the race and people kind of questioned the process. People wondered if he was the best candidate. And, um, and, and it was kind of, I think, one of the first times I've seen, you know, this kind of conversation about sexism um, emerging in a, in a real way mm-hmm. um, and a, an important way. Yeah. And in fact, we've got a clip of you asking Adam Ollier about that gender dynamic, uh, and we should recap just a little. Uh, th- there was uh, there was a split in 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 the race uh, in in terms of male and female, of course, among African Americans. Uh, and when Warren Evans, who is the county executive here uh, in Wayne County, uh, tried to come up with uh, tried to put together a coalition to come up with a consensus candidate, that difference between the male and the female candidates uh, really became. Came, uh, a sticking point. But let's listen to how Adam Ollier uh, addressed that. Patriarchy and sexism, all of those things are true. I would push back in Detroit, though. There is a, a lean towards a black woman. You are more black women leaders. There are more black women elected. And every discussion that starts with, well, you know, a black woman is going to beat a black man. So in this space, that's not the case, right? Like 
I am the, aside from Warren Evans, elected in the city of Detroit. There are two black state senators. There are three black women. There are going to be three women in the Senate going forward and none in the Senate. There are going to be three black men in the House. There are more, you know, city council president is a black woman and has been a black woman the last three city council presidents. Four last five. I mean, Detroiters, by and large, have elected black women to lead way more often than not. So as Adam Olia is saying there, there is this gender dynamic that exists in black electoral politics. And he thinks uh, that in this race that cut against him. Uh, Catherine, how do you how do you answer that? Um, I I'm not sure if that makes sense to me. I mean, if if this was such an important race, um, which was why, you know, the group of people got together to coalesce behind, you know, that was one of the things we kept hearing in our interviews um, was this kind of um, need and um, want to make sure that that seat remained, um, um, that a black representative remained in that seat. So if, if the heat was on and it, and, you have a tremendous number, you know, if you look at the voters in the city, that are mostly black women, um, you know, why not? Why not? I mean, maybe that would have been the better choice. But I, I do think the real problem, you know, and again, this is something that we've heard in our reporting, was, was the kind of the questioning of the process. Um, was it transparent enough? Was it, um, um, you know, was it transparent enough? If you look at the numbers in terms of the amount of votes Portia Roberson actually um, got versus the other folks, she really didn't do too badly considering she had the least amount of money um, of all the candidates. So I just think, um, you know, it, it, ex- it really exposed the conversation um, and um, an awareness that um, we need to have a lot more in the city. Yeah, yeah. 313-577-1019 is the number here on the phones. Uh, give us a call. Let us know what you think of the state of black political representation here in Detroit. Let's start with Layla in Detroit. Layla, welcome to the show. Hi. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm an educator, and so my mind naturally goes to education and its uh, effects on politics. And um, as Jamon Jordan has rightly pointed out over the years that the curriculum in Detroit public schools doesn't do a good enough job of really teaching students about their history. Um, and so I was, I was just wondering what effect that might have on politics, given that adult voters were children at one time. Mm. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, Layla, I really appreciate uh, the call and the comments. She's referring to Jamon Jordan, who is uh, the city of Detroit's uh, historian, has talked about this. Orlando, what's your reaction to what Layla's saying? Uh, Yeah, I think uh, it it is by and large um, important uh, that young people are educated on uh, the politics and the political history, especially the black political history here in the city of Detroit. It is of my belief that, you know, we can't we can't become or dream about what we've never been exposed to. I grew up in the city of Detroit, um, and the only representation that I have known has been black representation um, at, 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 the, at the national level and even at the uh, local and mayoral level, right, um, until the election of Mike Duggan in 2013. One of the things that uh, was also very apparent, though, was that my mother... Um, my parents made sure that I had a village and wraparound services that taught me some of these things that weren't taught in school. I was a part of the Youth on the Edge of Greatness program that took me to City Hall. And I knew and met uh, Mary Ann Mahaffey and other city council members, Kay Everett, back back, back in the day, Stephen, right? <laughs> uh, this really, uh, this, this place that was central to uh, Detroit politics, you know, back in the day. And I've always known who the mayor and the city council was. Uh, by name since I was a very young child. And that was something that, um, you know, wraparound services and nonprofits here in the city of Detroit uh, helped build in me. And I think those things um, still exist. I think we are raising a generation coming up that has also not known anything else but black uh, representation. But I think the other thing that I would that I would add to that is that uh, we need more than just black representation 
um, just so that we have a black face representing, but we also need uh, the political acumen to go along with that, right? So I don't think this constituency that's coming up is interested in ceremonial representation, mm-hmm. right? I think we've had enough of that. I think the conversation should shift toward what does oppression and white supremacy look like in a majority black city that is Detroit? What that means to me is that some of the uh, factors and actors of systemic oppression, uh, perpetuators of white supremacy, have black faces. And what are we doing about that? Right. And how are we educating each other on that? Yeah. In fact, uh, one of the other interviews in the podcast, what had happened was uh, is with Portia Roberson, who is the CEO of Focus Hope and was another of the African-American candidates for the 13th Congressional uh, District. Uh, I spoke with her about uh, her perspective on black political representation. She's somebody who grew up in the city at the same time I did, grew up in a family uh, uh, where where that idea of emerging black political voice uh, was, was kind of central to the narrative in the city. Let's hear what she says about what black voters want and expect from their candidates. You know, one of the things that Shree talked about often on the campaign trail was the fact that he grew up in abject poverty, mm-hmm. right? And in talking to people during the campaign and talking to people after my campaign, that resonates with a lot of folks in a way that I don't know that black people and this sort of leadership are taking into consideration. This concept that whatever my narrative might have been, whatever my story is, in some way is not resonating or feeling as similar Hmm. to black folks in this city in a way that Shree's story is resonating with them. And I think we've got to understand that our only objective is to get black leadership back into these seats. Then the question is whose story is really resonating with black voters in a way that they feel that they can connect with that person they're electing. Because I don't know that for this generation, for a variety of reasons that just being black is going to be enough. That is Portia Roberson talking as part of the podcast, What Had Happened Was, a production of uh, Bridge Detroit and WDET, which you can find on Spotify under the Bridge Detroit podcast. All the What Had Happened Was episodes are there. It's a look at uh, the 13th Congressional District race and the issue of black political representation coming out of it. Uh, Orlando Portia there is addressing that idea of how differently people may be thinking about candidates and uh, the issue of race now than they than they may have uh, in years past. I think folks in the streets are like, okay, have my conditions changed as a result of me habitually electing black representation to DC? And I think by far uh, in large, that answer is no. Right. I don't think people feel that their conditions have changed. I actually I actually think people feel like their conditions are worsening. And so once again, when we talk about when we talk about folks who live on the margins, that what Portia is highlighting is, number one, how are they reached? That story is what reaches people, but the ability to get that story out there. I think Portia Roberson has a story that can resonate with people. I think Adam Ollier had a story that can resonate with people. But what we saw is a tremendous amount of spending on part of Sri Tanadar on television ads. But what we also saw was that Sri was in these streets. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sri was <laughs> everywhere in the streets, meeting voters right where they are. And that counts for something. The ground game has to be immaculate when you are trying to mount a successful political campaign. And I think Shri, his campaign people, figured out uh, that the ground game was where is that. And so he was able to repeat this story. He was able to connect with a lot more people using this story uh, because of his ground game. And And maybe he was in the streets more because he didn't have to be on the phones asking folks for money. I don't know, you know, all that would contribute to that. But that that says something. Yeah. Yeah. And in fact, uh, I also, oh, go ahead, Catherine. Sorry, go, no, go ahead, Catherine. No, I also don't think we can underestimate just how much. I mean, when when you really support issues that can lift up black people, I mean, that really puts you at a at a real disadvantage, I think, in terms of how um, our society works. So I think 
you know, we have to have candidates who who are unafraid and in our, and we're, are able to work in systems where they can um, succeed. I think we have this moment where, you know, Shree, because he had a lot of money and Adam also had a lot of money, you know, they were able to do well, but, you know, and they can champion these issues in terms of, you know, superficially, but the question still remains, you know, where will they really be when it comes for Detroit residents and Detroit issues and Detroit voters? Yeah, and will they be able to actually deliver uh, yeah. on those things that they're that they're talking about? I was going to say that that in the in the extended interview with Sri Panadar that Malachi Barrett of Bridge Detroit did, uh, he, he tells this very compelling story about uh, being at. Uh, you know, essentially like a Sunday picnic in Russell Woods with folks there, I think, late into the night and and how much he was able to just kind of talk to people and talk to them and hear from them about what was on their minds and what things they were expecting. And and Orlando, your point about him being in the streets, he, he was. I mean, he, he really worked uh, the campaign from that ground level in, in a pretty masterful way. Okay, we're going to take another quick break. And when we come back, we're going to continue talking about black political representation, uh, the new congressman from the 13th district here in Michigan and all of the issues surrounding it. Continue to hear from you on the phones and on social as well. 313-577-1019 is the number. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll work you into the conversation that way. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. Bringing you news that matters. Stories that impact your life. Music from the Motor City and around the world. This is 1019 WDET. Detroit's NPR station. This is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and I'm glad you've decided to join us on the first show of the year, January 3rd, 2023. Also, the first day of the new Congress, and Sri Thanadar will be sworn in to represent the city of Detroit and Gross Point and some downriver communities. Uh, that will also, though, break a near 70-year streak of Detroit being represented in Congress by at least one African-American. We're talking about a new podcast from Bridge Detroit and WDET. You can find it on Spotify. You can find it on Bridge Detroit. You can find it on WDET. Uh, that takes a look at black political representation, what it means to break that streak, what it means in the context of the other things that are going on with black political representation in America's biggest black city. Uh, as always, we want to hear from you on the phones as well. 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. We'll include you in the conversation uh, that way. Uh, I want to go to a little more of uh, the podcast interviews uh, and, and this time uh, focus on Warren Evans, who is the county executive here in Wayne County and in the middle of the 13th congressional district race uh, became really concerned that the likelihood of an African-American emerging uh, as the winner was was in doubt. And so he tried to put together a coalition that would choose a consensus candidate, narrow the field from nine, maybe down to one or two, and give that person a better chance of being victorious. Let's talk, let's hear from uh, Warren uh, as he talks about uh, what he was trying to do and why it didn't work. Everybody that I talked to, and even when we tried to put this consensus group together, to a person, conceptually, everybody understood and raised their hand and, yes, this is what we need to do. Now, when you when the rubber meets the road as to how do we select that person or whatever, now you're starting to see a little more, well, no, you know, it ought to be this, no, it ought to be this, it ought to be that. But everybody philosophically said it's right. I mean, it's, it's not uh, rocket science math. Uh, this is what we ought to try to get to. Um, and, you know, we made a concerted effort at, at trying to do that. But, you know, one of the things there was, okay, then if we pick a consensus person, are the rest of you getting out? 
And, of course, there were a lot of people, oh, sure, if I'm not picked, I'll be the one. Well, you know. That was Warren Evans, uh, the county executive here in Wayne County, talking about his effort to help black Detroiters pick a consensus candidate for the 13th Congressional District that might have been more successful against uh, Sri Thanadar. Uh, Catherine, uh, react to what Warren's saying there about that sense of uh, of duty or obligation, I guess, beyond uh, people's own own interests that he was trying to appeal to and and why maybe it didn't it didn't work in this case um i think i think a lot of people felt that way i think a lot of people redistricting um which is how we you know we we got here um is you know people were were there were people adam holy included along all along the like when the commission was meeting. There were people raising this alarm early. They were saying, "We're going to lose black representation. What does it mean?" Um, I, I do think there was absolutely. We saw um, a real desire to um, to pick a candidate because you had so many people in the race, um, and everyone I think you know who kind of came from a certain um, um, political thought process, you know, understood it was. You know, you, you wanted a black representative um, that that was important in terms of legacy for the city of Detroit. But I do think um, I think there were a lot of criticisms about the process and the process was ultimately flawed. Um, people, one of the things that we heard, Malachi did a great story um, a recap after uh, the primary. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that we heard repeatedly from from Pete, from voters was that, you know, the, the process felt like a group of elite men who really decided to pick the candidate um, in a non-transparent way. And um, I think that really became a problem. Um, but I think the, if you really look at what happened with redistricting, um, it has, as much as it has represented a loss in terms of the 13th district seat, it has also changed the local landscape in some really interesting ways. Um, and the ways that I don't think any of us could have imagined. So, uh, you know, um, I think, again, as we look at, like, you know, this arc of black history, like what it's changing, you know, Mm -hmm. the black experience. There was a time growing up in Detroit where, you know, if I was in another city and essentially someone white said, I'm from Detroit, I could look at them and say, you're not from Detroit. And they'd laugh and they'd say, oh, yeah, no, I'm from Birmingham. I'm from here. I'm from there. And, and it's just not like that anymore. You know, I mean, the, the shared experience of a certain, you know, it's changed over every generation, over every time. The shared experience of segregation was one, you know, of living in black cities was another. It's something else now. You have, um, you know, black children who are growing up in the suburbs and very privileged environments. So what does blackness then mean? I think we're, we're really in a, in a new moment um, where we have to kind of rethink uh, what are the issues, define the issues, what are the challenges, and what are the ways to achieve some progress? You know, if you still look around the city of Detroit and you look at the loss of black home ownership and and the income levels and the opportunity levels. You know, you still have an urgency right now um, around changing the 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 outcomes for people's lives and and how do we do that and who are the leaders that can do that? Um, so I, I think it's it's unfolding. It's super interesting. It's interesting what's happening on the national landscape and state and local. But I think. I think that is why it's even more urgent than ever before to start naming the issues. Yeah. You know, at Bridge Detroit, one of the things that we keep hearing over and over again from our readers is housing is a huge issue. Home repair is a huge issue in the city. Infrastructure, water, flooding. So we need representatives who will begin to really seriously tackle these issues and on, and be honest about the size and scale of the problem and whether it can even be fixed locally. But we just have to, you know, we have to kind of turn to voters, black voters, Detroit residents, and 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 understand what what the issues are. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, Orlando, um, what do you think of Warren's efforts there? And again, this idea that that we've got to think differently, I guess, about black political representation. Um, you know, I was looking for young people in that. <laughs> I was looking for young people in, in that legacy committee. So number one, I think timing. I think timing. Uh, I think it was a little too late in trying to wrangle it together. Folks had already you know, put their stakes in the ground to say that they were running. And I also, you know, really question whether or not uh, the legacy committee really had solid commitments on part of candidates who were not picked uh, that they would, you know, bow out of the race. I, I think it was a little too late for that. I do think that, you know, he had um, uh, he had, you know, his 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 heart was in the going in the right direction, but I think the way that it was carried out, you know, presented and mounted so so many questions that people didn't trust the candidate uh, that was picked. I do think though, within uh, the next two years, before start before people start putting their stake in the ground once again, that you know these kinds of committees can convene and pick a candidate, <laughs> pick a candidate to run. Um, instead of, um, you, know, yeah. you know. And and to do that, I think you have to build the kind of credibility. The credibility and trust. That, that allows you to to get people to cooperate, to, to, to play along. And a lot of the interviews uh, in this podcast, what had happened was uh, people refer back to the way that uh, Coleman Young was, uh, was so masterful uh, at that and talk about the fact that uh, we don't have somebody now who can do that. Okay, uh, Catherine Kelly and Orlando Bailey, great to have both of you here with us. Thanks so much for joining. Also, take a look at what had happened was uh, at uh, any place you download podcasts, you can take a look at Spotify, uh, go to the Bridge Detroit uh, podcast, and all of the episodes are there. You can also go to bridgedetroit.com and to WDET. This is 1019 WDET-FM, Detroit's NPR station, your connection to news, music, and conversation. We'll talk again tomorrow.